This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, January 26th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village Hotel hits roadblock, county commits to regional climate solutions, the sustenance of music and dance, and a mountain weather forecast. A new hotel in Mountain Village hit a major roadblock last week when Mountain Village Town Council directed staff to draft a resolution of denial on the application. The proposed hotel would sit on a lot just under one acre of land near the Sharana and Westamere buildings on Mountain Village Boulevard. The proposal planned for 50 hotel rooms, 20 condos and 31 lodge units. The development also planned for 18 dorm-style employee housing units with two employee apartments. There would also be retail, fine dining, a bar, a market, and a conference center wedding space. Luxury hotel brand Six Senses has shared their intent to operate the hotel. Matthew Shear, with Vault Development working on the project, spoke before town council at a meeting last year. He says mountain luxury is the key. We want to create an iconic building, something that is really going to last for the next 50, 100 years um, with a real sense of timeless architecture. We definitely wanted to bring a five-star hotel and residence that is where the market is in Telluride, in Mountain Village and Telluride as we speak. We want to activate the core. Mountain Village is a little quiet. Um, We thought it needs some more um, interesting F&B options. Currently, developers are working with a planned use development approved in 2010 as the base of the application. Developers asked for a number of amendments to the PUD for their application, including density, parking, design review, public benefits, and public improvements. Mountain Village has been discussing the application for over a year, and in December 2022, the town's design review board approved the application with 31 conditions. But staff has concerns that with so many conditions and the application needing to conform to those conditions, that there could be more exposure than less, that there could be a redesign that triggers another major PUD amendment. Like, how are we going to navigate even a minor PUD amendment Um, if there are many um, conditions in order for the design to really move to that next step of a building permit. That's Mountain Village Assistant Town Manager Michelle Haynes presenting before town council last week. Mayor Leila Benitez shares the concerns, noting while she appreciates the design, the application as it stands looks like a completely different project from the 2010 PUD approval. I'll tell you guys, I lost three hours of sleep last night on this. Because after all the PUDs I've looked at, and after looking at the CDC for years, I'm at seven and a half years now, I can't find a way to say, you know what, this, this is an amendment to a PUD. The honest truth is, in my gut, I know that this is, this is not an amendment. This is absolutely a new PUD with new public benefits, with new parking, with new... I mean, you're looking at a completely different footprint. But council member Marty Prohaska is conflicted. What is hard for me to to wrap my head around right now is is that we've allowed this process to go so far and when when really a 2010 PUD and you know when you when you originally came to us it was you know we have this PUD but this product is going to be better than that PUD. And so we're going to make all these changes to it. And I think it is a better product. 
Um, and I, I like the amenities. I like what it could possibly do to energize that part of the Mountain Village core. Um, all of that said, I think that it is a different animal now. It's a different project and it deserves its own PUD process. Um, and I'm, I'm struggling with saying that because here we are this far into it and we didn't come to that sooner. And, and so I'm sorry. At the end of a three-and-a-half-hour discussion, town council passed a motion directing staff to draft a resolution for denial of the hotel application. Council will discuss and vote on the resolution at its March 16th meeting. Developers will have the opportunity to present to council how they plan to address concerns at that time. Governments, big and small, have made a practice of pledging to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and then neglecting those promises. Locally, San Miguel County is trying to hold itself accountable for its climate pledges by updating its climate action plan. As KOTO's Gavin McGough reports, the process is raising questions about how far, geographically, the county is willing to go. At a work session with the Board of County Commissioners this week, Star Jameson, who oversees natural resources for San Miguel County, explains that everything in the current climate action plan comes from the state of Colorado. As of now, the regional plan has is consistent with the state. And the entire plan was based off of the state's targets. All the actions are listed under those targets. Jamison says in past discussions, county commissioners voiced a desire for a more customized plan. She says if the commissioners lay out their goals, county staff can draft ways to get them done. We can look at the board creating the resolution, the board identifying the goals, and then the staff going ahead and taking the implementation stage based off of those goals. However, tension arose during the discussion around how wide a net San Miguel County should cast when setting those goals. County Manager Mike Bordonia explains climate action can take place on three different levels. Within the county government itself and in its various facilities, within the entire San Miguel County, and then lastly, between the county and other governments in southwest Colorado, specifically Ure County. Do we want to focus just on the San Miguel County actions as a county government? Do we want to focus um, on commingling those with those that would apply to the entire county? And knowing that we're not going to adopt URA's plan for us, but can we adopt or what is your comfort level with adopting a regional plan that has broader policy implementations for specifically that we would look at implementing for San Miguel County. Commissioner Hillary Cooper says she is in support of crafting specific goals for county government and its buildings and services. But, she says, she hesitates to make carbon reduction promises countywide before having further discussions with area stakeholders. And, she says, because there is no working relationship between San Miguel and Ure counties, she doesn't feel comfortable including them in San Miguel's climate action plan. Uh, in terms of adopting for the region as a whole, I think that 
you know, requires some more stakeholder input and uh, a broader conversation because we can't do that for the region. We have to have complete buy-in. And by the region, I mean the county. Sorry, I will start talking county because I know then there's also San Miguel County and Uray, which I think I've made very clear. I feel really uncomfortable adopting a regional, two county. I'm not going to adopt any goals for Uray County. Commissioner Lance Waring, on the other hand, says the Sneffels Energy Board is that regional broker. He feels comfortable including those region-wide commitments in the county's action plan. I've heard Star say that she would like us to adopt the Sneffels Energy Board regional plan. And Hillary, I've heard you say that you object to the word adopt. I don't share your objection. So I'm content to adopt the Sneffels Regional Energy Board plan, knowing that I'm not influencing Uray County. I'm merely joining all the partners that we've been working with in the goals that we share. Commissioner Chris Holstrom sides with Waring. So the county's climate action plan will now include goals for the county government specifically, the entire county broadly, and a still broader regional commitment whose members make up the Sneffels Energy Board. County staff will incorporate specific steps into the plan to make progress on the county's goals. When you hear music, do you ever see movement in your mind's eye? As you watch a person or animal move, can you almost hear a beat or a melody? This weekend, you won't need to use your imagination. Telluride Chamber Music and the Telluride Dance Collective are teaming up for their second evening of dance and live music, Sustenance. The idea with Sustenance, it was the same kind of thing that we thought it was about vitality and all the things that sustain the human spirit. And that's where it came from last year. And we just thought that was such a good theme. We've decided to keep that as sort of the ongoing overriding arch of this performance. That's Claire Beard, Executive Director of Telluride Chamber Music and Co-Director of Sustenance. The show will feature 11 local musicians and 13 local dancers sharing the stage. While the theme is the same, the program will be different from a performance last year. We've got such a mix of music in this one. I would say we have everything from tango, flamenco, we've got some Celtic music, um, we've got this cool string quartet with drums that I think everyone will recognize. And then we've also done a new thing of doing some more solo musicians paired with solo dancers. So there's a bit more interaction between the musicians and the dancers, which is a really cool kind of um, new thing to feature. On the dance side, there is contemporary with ballet and jazz influences. There will be aerial pieces with silks and hoops. Kelsey Trottier, executive director of Telluride Dance Collective and co-director of Sustenance, notes the aim is for the music and dance to enhance each other. The pairing of music and dance, I feel like, has always been in conversation, and there's a lot of dance that evolved from certain styles of music, and that kind of goes back and forth, too, whereas I think that there's styles of movement that have emerged over time where that have influenced music, and so it's fun to kind of have that be on stage at the same time and see that sort of conversation of inspiration kind of bouncing back and forth. For Beard, it's a uniquely Telluride experience. Often when you see dance on stage, the musicians are down in the pit, you know, in the orchestra pit or whatever, and they're, they're not sort of so involved um, with the dance. I think this creates a really unique opportunity for the artists all to collaborate together, and it 
it really just gives something incredibly different that you don't see very often. And I think it's kind of uniquely Telluride in a way because this has come out of just the relationships that we all have together. Um, and I don't think you get that opportunity to do that in like bigger cities and other places. So it, it's a pretty cool thing. At the base, Trottier hopes the performance is able to be a flow of energy between the musicians, dancers, and audience. Art is always subjective, so you're gonna get whatever you want to get out of it. And so it's it can move you, it can help. So sometimes like, you know, we watch art and it helps us release something. And it, so I think that process kind of goes back and forth, whether you're the person absorbing the art and experiencing it or the person that's trying to create it, it's, it creates this kind of opportunity to process things, to let things go, to feel things we didn't know were inside of us. Sustenance, an evening of music and dance, will take place at the Palm Theatre on Sunday, January 29th at 6 p.m. Tickets are available at telluridepalm.com or at the door. Words can transport us to different locations. The use of language can bring readers into new landscapes and environments. But writing those passages can be difficult. Next week, the Wilkinson Public Library is hosting a writing workshop to understand and practice the elements that make descriptive and narrative scenes pop. The workshop will be led by environmental journalist and author Heather Hansman, author of Powder Days, Ski Bums, Ski Towns, and the Future of Chasing Snow, the library's 2022 One Book One Canyon Read. The writing workshop will take place on Monday, January 30th at 5 p.m. at the Wilkinson Public Library. Registration is available at TellurideLibrary.org. Why did the chicken cross the road? To get to the Telluride Comedy Festival, the 23rd annual celebration of all things laughter and giggle-related returns to the Sheridan Opera House stage over President's Day weekend. Performers include Aristotle Athari, Tim Baltz, Colton Dunn, Brian Husky, Seth Morris, Jason Manzukis, June Diane Raphael, Paul Shear, Beth Sterling, and Telluride's own Lily Sullivan. The festival kicks off with Locals Night on Thursday, February 16th, and runs through Sunday, February 19th. More information about tickets for the 2023 Telluride Comedy Festival is available at SheridanOperaHouse.com. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is looking to make changes to its policies around distribution of big game hunting licenses in the state, and they're looking for input from the public. Big game in Colorado include deer, elk, pronghorn, moose, and bear. CBW is considering changes regarding a preference point banking system, averaging group application preference points, updating the high demand hunt code split from 80% to residents and 20% to non-residents to 90% for residents and 10% for non-residents, and an across-the-board license allocation of 75% for residents and 25% to non-residents. After the comment period closes, the CPW Commission will use the results to inform their decision on big game licenses. The Commission will discuss the results at its meeting in March. 
Public comment for the license distribution will be open through February 20th. Comment can be made at engagecpw.org. Recently, the Carbondale Branch Public Library decided to bring in their intrepid team of Colorado-based paranormal investigators to give a series of talks. The Colorado Coalition of Paranormal Investigators services Western Colorado and Eastern Utah with several of their members based in the Roaring Fork Valley. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KDNK's Haddison Rensbury has more. Not ghosts. Oh, gosh. Not ghosts. <laughs> It's just reflecting the light. Yeah. Dust. Yeah, and I'll go. I'll go into it okay. here in a little more detail here. So the first runner-up, of course, is moisture, water vapor. No uh, kitschy gimmicks. No theatrics. The lights in the room are on, and there isn't even a hint of manufactured jump scares. Just a team of people with decades of experience. Make no mistake, they're not Ghostbusters. The presentation revolves around the gear they use, including an in-depth section on a variety of cameras. Conversations with audience members briefly discuss safety concerns and precautions, as well as the intricacies of presenting evidence to other paranormal investigators. Clarissa Vasquez, founder of the group and an author nearly a dozen times over, speaks candidly about the contentious subject of orbs in the paranormal field and how very often they have a mundane explanation. Popular arguments, but my orb was blue or orange or green or pink. So here's the thing, orbs are not orbs. There's no meaning behind a particular color. More often than not, your orb color is merely reflecting the color of a nearby object. For more information on orbs, the C-O-L-O paranormal.com website features an article written by Clarissa. For KDNK, I'm Haddison Runsbury. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 10 degrees. Friday, there's a 30% chance of snow showers with partly sunny skies during the day and mostly cloudy skies at night. The high is near 30 degrees with a low around 15. Saturday, there's a 30% chance of snow showers with a high near 30 degrees. Saturday night calls for partly cloudy skies with a low around 15. This has been the news for Thursday, January 26th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hola a todos. Soy Sol y trabajo con True North Youth Program. True North va a presentar Universidad 101 a través del Zoom el miércoles el 8 de febrero a las 6 de la noche y es gratis. Esta presentación es para los estudiantes y los padres de los distritos escolares de Norwood, Telluride y el West End. Vamos a hablar del costo de la universidad, cómo pagar, los recursos universitarios y las becas, además de la preparación grado por grado y cómo convertirse en un candidato competitivo. Pueden registrarse con anticipación en truenorthyouthprogram.org o si tienen preguntas, se comunican con el equipo de True North a 970-708-1986.
Esta presentación está en inglés, pero si desean ver la versión en español, visiten por favor la página de programas en nuestro sitio web y seleccionen College Corner. Muchas gracias y nos vemos allí. Hi everyone, Sol from True North Youth Program here. I wanted to let you know that True North is hosting a free College 101 workshop via Zoom on Wednesday, February 8th at 6 p.m. This presentation is for students and parents in Norwood, Telluride, and West End school districts. We will cover the cost of college, how to pay, college and scholarship resources, grade-by-grade -grade preparation, and how to become a competitive candidate. Please register in advance at truenorthyouthprogram.org or contact us with questions anytime at 970-708-1986. Thanks so much and look forward to seeing you there. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.